In part one of our discussion, we focused on the definition and history of leadership, followed by a review of various theories. We ended our discussion with a challenge, noting that there is no ideal theory of leadership and urging instead that we seek to identify the kind of leader we want to be and to construct a personalized model that adopts and adapts portions of various theoretical structures to create our own. We hope that as we begin part two of this podcast, we can bring to light elements of successful leadership that enables you to narrow your search for an ideal fit. Key Elements of Effective Educational Leadership Educational leaders must simultaneously invent leadership and administrative paradigms that are more suitable to educational organizations and solve the problems that may have been created by past practice. As a CEO, if you are willing to devote the time to develop the tools you need to be an effective instrument of change, you will have the opportunity to become a leader who makes a huge difference in your organization. I'm sure that based on our earlier discussions, you are already starting to sort through leadership theories and leadership models that resonate with you as a person. Our next discussion will provide you with a few markers or criteria that should ring true for you as you proceed in your journey as a leader in education. Core Motivators for Educational Leadership Educators often describe their chosen path not as a career, but as a vocation. This concept is profoundly essential to the path of an educational leader. Vocation comes from the Latin verb vocare, which means to call. As such, you listen to a call from within when choosing the field of education as a profession. In large part, we choose education in response to a series of core motivators because we have a strong desire to make a positive difference in the lives of others and the institution, have a deep sense of purpose guided by foundational ethical and moral principles. We enjoy challenges and problem solving, and we view change as stimulating and we become adept at seeing the interconnections and possibilities between issues, programs, and most important of all, people. So what can you expect in your path as a leader in education? As educational leaders, there are few constants. But one of these is the fact that education, by its very nature, is change. You will witness and participate in transforming the individual as student, transforming the faculty and staff as they face increasingly diverse students and trustees as they meet socio-political concerns in communities that may be divided by political issues or political parties. Finally, you as a CEO, by virtue of your role as a change agent, will also transform. And as you navigate difficult waters, you will find that you can only lead through constant self-awareness as you become a catalyst for achieving the vision and mission of your institution. So let's look at you as an instrument of change. 
What does it mean to be an instrument of change? As a change agent, it is important to begin with a deep sense of self-awareness. We've talked about introspection in our earlier conversations, and this critical requirement surfaces here once again. At this point in your journey as an educational leader, you should feel reasonably comfortable with the parameters of your leadership style as a combination of your values and life experiences. You should be able to identify which leadership model or combination of models best suits you. To manage change, you must be aware that you are an instrument of change by being ready to look at your actions, behaviors, questions, and choices in a very intentional way. You need to choose those skills and abilities that are most relevant to the institution you have selected and which has selected you as their CEO. I want to underscore here that to be a change agent, you must be willing to develop and change as you live and learn. This means that you need not always be the ultimate expert, but you need to be self-aware about your talents and limitations and learn every day from your actions and the example set by others. Finally, you must be clear that as a CEO, you can never be a positive server. You must also be an active participant. Now, what is equity-minded leadership? Earlier in our discussion, I alluded to the need to return to the topic of equity-minded leadership. Given its unique focus on the educational process, we have to be very familiar with the concept. Unlike most other models, Equity-mindedness has filled a gap in our educational toolbox by focusing on the attainment of educational excellence through the process of educational equity. This approach is beautifully suited to the extreme diverse nature of our students and the fact that we have and will always be the people's college. And as I like to say, the word community is our middle name. The term equity-mindedness refers to the perspective or mode of thinking exhibited by practitioners who call attention to patterns of inequity in student outcomes. These practitioners are willing to take personal and institutional responsibility for the success of their students and critically reassess their practices. It also requires that practitioners be race-conscious and aware of the social and historical context of exclusionary practices in American higher education. The schools of education in several universities nationwide, including the University of Chicago, State University of New York, University of Washington, University of Wisconsin System, University of California, Los Angeles, and the University of Southern California, have dedicated a great deal of effort to the issue of educational equity and created specialized certificates designed to provide the foundation and concepts of equity-minded leadership. In the next part of our conversation, I will delve more deeply in the work of the University of Southern California for two reasons. I'm a graduate of the USC's Rossier School of Education, and as such, I am infinitely more familiar with their work. Even from a totally unbiased perspective, there are few universities that have opted to provide so much information, resources, and tools for immediate use by practitioners than USC. 
All you need to do is access their website and the Center for Urban Education, or Q as we call it. Components of USC's Q Equity Mindedness Leadership Certificate. The leadership certificate offered by USC has developed an enormous body of study, research curriculum, and extremely pragmatic tools for educators. There are five interrelated components or tenets that are central to their work, stating that it must be one, evidence-based, two, race-conscious, three, institutionally focused, four, systemically aware, and five, equity advancing. As educators, we are particularly enamored with qualitative outcomes. An easy and perhaps simplistic way to explain this is that we are very adept at using well-meaning and lofty terminology to describe our work. Quantitative methodology, on the other hand, uses numbers. We would be wrong to assume that these are opposites. In fact, the equity-minded process and tools developed as part of that process clearly enable us to use quantitative means to describe and reach qualitative goals. To this end, Q has developed several tools, each of which are described in detail on the website cited earlier. Following is a brief description of these tools. Tool number one, equity scorecard. This is a quantifiable and data-driven process to assess student performance, identifying intervention points, and it establishes short and long-term goals to increase the college completion rates for students of color. The Equity Scorecard is both a process and a data tool. As a process, it combines a theoretical framework with practical strategies to initiate institutional change that will lead to equitable outcomes for students of color. The process creates a team approach by engaging individuals from different departments and divisions to investigate campus data, practices, and policies. This team is responsible for completing the scorecard and analyzing the results that would lead to the development of targeted interventions. Tool number two, the STEM toolkit. It is clear that the rapidly growing Latina or Latino student population is significantly underrepresented in their opportunity in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM. There is an urgent need for colleges and universities to enroll and graduate more Latina and Latino STEM majors successfully. Failure to do so will result in a shortage of skilled STEM professionals. Q's STEM Toolkit features resources that help colleges and universities reflect on how institutional practices and resources, as well as individual access and behaviors, affect Latina and Latino student success. The complete STEM toolkit can also be found at the Q website. Tool number three, data development and uses. The Center for Urban Education uses disaggregated data and one-of-a-kind, innovative and user-friendly data tools that include Vital Signs and BEST, B-E-S-S-T. Q disaggregates data by race and ethnicity with specific racial ethnic groups defined by the institution's unique students' population and demographics. Tool number four, 
Vital Signs. Vital Signs is a tool that provides a visual representation of the starting point when investigating the system of college equity. It breaks down large data sets into smaller, disaggregated ones and presents them in an accessible manner. In other words, it provides a snapshot of the baseline of current student performance. The baseline data student outcomes examines three perspectives, access, retention, excellence and completion. Tool number five, Benchmarking Equity and Success Tools, B-E-S-S-T. The Benchmark Equity and Success Tool is a web-based data tool that allows evidence team members to examine disaggregated data by race and ethnicity, see their institutional data in graphic form, and use these data findings to set short and long-term goals. Tour number six, self-assessments. Self-assessments are valuable tools designed to be used in various settings, from an individual working on their own to a group of people using the self-assessment as a discussion tool in a workshop setting. There are two self-assessments in the area of transfer that are publicly available for use. The first is Transfer Access Self-Assessment Inventory for Two-Year Institutions, and the second, Transfer Access Self-Assessment Inventory for Four-Year Institutions. Tool number seven, Closing Racial Equity Gaps. As indicated earlier, one of the most difficult problems we face in equity-mindedness is not knowing how to talk and understand the problem. One of the most damaging outcomes over the past century continues to be the racial equity gap. Q, or the Center for Urban Education at USC, has identified five major obstacles that stand in the way of our goal to close this gap. One, not knowing how to talk about race, not knowing how to make racial equity operational, and not understanding that racial inequity is a product of racialized structures. Two, not setting goals by race and ethnicity, not establishing racial equity indicators, and not reporting racial equity outcomes routinely. Three, not having a strategy to engage the institution in adopting racial equity benchmarks and a plan of institutional transformation. Four, not having a set of racial equity best practices to implement systemically. And five, not having the know-how and procedures to assess the ways in which practices, policies, and initiatives undermine racial equity. In response, Q has created tools to address each of these obstacles, which can also be found at the website identified earlier. In addition to these various tools, there is another document developed by Dr. Estela Ben-Simon, USC's Q Director, that provides you with 11 indicators designed to develop and practice equity-mindedness. Now, I won't go through each of them, but again, you can access them through the QUSC website. As we reach the end of our conversation, we have been through a long journey together beginning with Lao Tzu in 604 BC. We travel through the history of leadership theories to the present day, 
reviewed various models looking for an idealized framework that best seemed to suit us. Learned that there is no one model best suited or even a best model because the ultimate yardstick is each of us as human beings and our positional standpoint on this earth, including gender, ethnicity, and socioeconomic standing. Learned about the impact of our social reality on leadership, including the power structures of the governments of institutions within which we serve. Narrowed our scope as we looked for models that resonated with our choice of education as a vocation. Looked for strategies to guide us in our career, learning that authenticity and integrity are core to ethical behavior. Ultimately, we narrowed our focus as educational practitioners on the great notion of equity-mindedness, concluding with specific tools for the actual development of equity-mindedness. And while we continue to rely on qualitative means to describe our work, we fully understand that we must depend on quantitative tools to ensure that we deliver on those words. I hope you have enjoyed this two-part presentation and the references and tools that are included to enable you to conduct your own investigation into your leadership journey. In her book, Leadership in Turbulent Times is Spiritual, Margaret Whitley provided us with a set of principles to aid us in our journey. She calls these principles of spiritual thinking traditions. Life is uncertain. Life is cyclical. Meaning is what motivates people. Service brings us joy. Courage comes from our hearts. We are interconnected to all life. We can rely on human goodness. We need peace of mind.